welcome to Welcome to Nazarene Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. All right. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome to you and ask God's blessing upon you. We're a little down in the numbers today, so I know it's because that, that uh, old blue northern came in last night. Amen? So when we woke up this morning, we were like, it's cold. It's supposed to be springtime and, and getting close to summertime here in Texas. So we like that warmer weather. So my son called me all the way from Washington yesterday, and he's like, Dad, it's 80 degrees. And I was like, it's 49 here. So whatever you send on the phone, take it back, you know? So anyways, uh, that has always got something to do with it. So be in prayer for those that aren't out or traveling, not feeling well today. Um, with that being said, we want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out your little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place an offering, place and come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. All right, we do have some announcements I want to share with you. And so we have quite a bit going on at Robinson Avenue. So asking for you to prayerfully consider being a part of that. Number one, the youth group will be going on April 24th. That's next Saturday. They'll be going to visit the zoo. In fact, our article says, Missy's taking the animals to the zoo. <laughs> on Saturday, April 24th. And we'll be leaving the church at 9 a.m. So if you need some more information on that, get with Sister Missy. She'll be happy to answer any questions on that. So that's Saturday the 24th. Vacation Bible School Workshop is coming up May 22nd, and you need to be there and be a part of that. Some of you are wanting to be a part of the security team on our Vacation Bible School. If you, if you want to be a part of that, also the medical field falls in that, you need to get with CB and make sure you're in on that as he's our security director here at Robinson Avenue. Uh, with that being said, I want to bring to your attention, we've had to change the date of our rummage sale. We were going to put that at the end of May. Now we're going to do it more in the beginning of May. So we're actually going to have that on May 8th, our, our spring garage sale, if you will, our rummage sale. And so we are starting to reach out and invite everybody we can. We want to invite you to come and be a part of that. So what you'll need to do is, if you want to be a part of it, is you'll have to buy a table. The tables are $10. And you can set up and sell anything you want to at Robinson Avenue, so long as it honors God. Amen? So, and all those proceeds that we get from selling the tables or the spot will go to benefit our Operation Christmas Child. So prayerfully consider being a part of that. We're going to reach out to just about every vendor we know. We can find them and ask if they're interested to come in and set up a table as well. So prayerfully consider being a part of that and pray for us as we reach out in that. All right. Uh, we also have some upcoming dates I want you to think about. We have a fish fry coming up on the 21st. And we have some neat things still going to happen. I want to bring to your attention as well, church, that tonight service is business meeting. So, come and be a part. I know, as soon as I said business meeting, I watched the smiles just about. <laughs> no. Business meetings at Robinson Avenue are wonderful. And so, uh, we're going to continue to pray that God to, uh, always blesses us with that spirit of unity and goodness. And so, uh, with that being said, I want to thank each and every one of you and your support for our men's prayer breakfast, for our gospel jubilee that we attended yesterday. And so it was a wonderful time and a wonderful blessing. All right. Uh, I think that's it for our upcoming um, announcements, except for our uh, May 30th, 5th Sunday singing. And so we're actually going to have a meal with that as well. That is going to be hamburgers and hot dogs. And so we're reaching out to all the area churches. want to bring them in next Sunday evening and have a little bit of a Sunday singing. So you're invited to come be a part of that as well. If you want to sing in that, Get with Robert, and we'll get you uh, played in on that as well. 
with that being said, Brother Robert wants to address the church about the price. Come on, Brother Robert. all I have for the announcement, so with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, God, for you to gather in your house, Lord. And I just pray you reach out and touch us right now, fill us with your spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you take a thought, you take anybody who needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father, that needs to get their heart right with you, you that Savior, that Lord. May we, Lord, lift up a shout and let this world know that you are Lord and you're coming back soon. And I pray, Lord, you fill us with your goodness and your joy today as we worship you and as you speak to us even now. In Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen. Robert? Y'all please stand. Let's start off and let's sing Great is the Lord.
goodness how do you come after that you know <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you open me please to the book of Philippians chapter 4 <laughs> I love to laugh isn't it nice to laugh in the house of God for all those years we spent in the church and people said you can't laugh or you can't have a good time well I was like what are you going to do when you get to heaven What's going to happen there? You're going to be laughing. You're going to be praising God. Amen? We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Today's message is on dealing, conquering stress, and redeeming the time. Conquering stress and redeeming the time. It's a very powerful message, and I hope that you uh, learn a lot from it. It's my prayer that you'll take some of these principles and put them to work in your life. I think each and every one of us has been dealing with a little bit of stress here lately. And so, it's my prayer, once again, not only you put it to work in your life, but you'll find victory over that. So, I think everybody deals with stress a little bit differently, and we'll take a look at some of those models in just a second. Let's begin in chapter 4, verse 4. 
of the book of Philippians. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I pray right now for peace. Peace in each and every heart, Lord. And I ask, Lord, if there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anybody, Father God, if you get their heart right and their walk right with you, Lord, I pray you that. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Ask you to speak to us, keep us, Lord. Open us up to hear from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about stress this morning. Let's talk about what stress is. Stress and burnout and anxiety. In fact, this has been called the age of aspirin. Have you noticed that? It's the age in which we are taking something to deal with everything. We have medications for stress. We have medications for pressure. We have medications for just about everything. And we've titled this age the age of aspirin. As a Christian, you might be asking that question, Pastor, can we conquer stress? And I want to give you some of those principles found in the Word of God to conquer that stress in your life, in your heart, in your marriage, in your walk with the Lord, because everything is a little bit pressing nowadays. Can I get an amen this morning? Can a Christian conquer stress? Can we find control in our lives? And the answer is yes, if we will obey the principles of the Word of God. I want to give you a biblical answer to the problem of stress and anxiety this morning. So I want you to turn with me back in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, and I want you to read with me again verse 4. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, Paul was under an immense amount of stress, a tremendous amount of pressure. In fact, it wasn't just pressure. Church, he was actually in prison. And so you think you got it bad at the moment. None of us are currently in prison while we're here. You've got to thank God nowadays. They're putting Christians in jails nowadays. So Paul was under pressure, and he was in prison. And the answer is what was happening in Paul's life as he wrote this letter. Imagine being in that jail, in that prison, and being able to write something like, Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. How did he do that? How did he come to that conclusion? Well, the answer is an unmistakable and in understandable peace of God. In fact, Jesus told us in John 14, 27, he says, My peace I give to you. So we often forget that in our walk with Christ. He's the one who's given us peace. It's not a peace to be found in a pill. It's not a peace that's found in a bottle. It's not a peace to be found in getting it right with your neighbor. It's not a a peace that you can find in your own personal resources. 
Let's talk about stress a little bit this morning. The pressure, if you will. When I was a young man, I remember we would go into a little town called Austin, Indiana, and where we would visit my papa, my grandfather. He lived in a smaller house next to the railroad track. But directly across the yard, there was just straight-up country folks right there next door to him. Nowadays, we call them rednecks. Don't get mad. I mean, they were rednecks. They were so redneck, their son's name was Harley. Not Davidson, y'all. <laughs> they were good people. They were. But their mom used to use a pressure cooker. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you could hear that pressure cooker in the kitchen. It would begin to whistle. And if they didn't get in that kitchen quick, you know what would happen. Out of a sudden, there wouldn't be that boom, and there was green beans and potatoes all over the ceiling. Some of us have got to understand pressure will pop inside of you. Let's talk about stress for just a minute. The pressure, if you will. We are under pressure from what our what we consider our must-dos, from our can-dos, from our can't-dos, and the gap in between them. We call that pressure. What we need to do and what we want to do oftentimes conflict. Amen? The Scripture here calls it anxiety. In fact, the Bible tells us don't be anxious about anything. Jesus said don't worry about nothing in Matthew 6.34. He said don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. So what stress can do to us physically shouldn't be a big surprise to us. You know what it does to your cardiovascular system? It creates hypertension. It creates heart-related diseases. It creates water around your heart. It creates all kinds of problems. Stress, just stress. Not to mention what it does to your digestive system. You know what it can do to you emotionally. So, how do we handle stress? Sometimes we take stress and try to label it something differently, like a midlife crisis. Or we say, well, it's just drug abuse, or it's alcohol abuse, and it ends up resulting in insomnia, doesn't it? You know, stress affects everything we do. If you look outside on our marquee this week, it actually had a wonderful statement on it. It said, if you can't sleep and you're counting sheep, you need to start talking to the shepherd. But I want you to know that here in this area, we got a lot of sheep around here. Lots of goats and sheep everywhere you go. And we actually hired somebody to count the sheep. The problem is they kept falling asleep on counting. <laughs> Why do we take it that way? We take stress and we take pressure so hard. So let's take a look at some things we do in our lives and our personalities and why we take that stress so hard. Number one, and this is my favorite one. Sometimes it's just our temperament. Our temperament. You know, there are people who have temperaments that they handle problems very easily. In fact, they are what you call someone who handles that stress with no problems, no difficulties whatsoever. They're strong-willed people, a strong-willed person, and they don't get upset. And they never get ulcers. In fact, they're the ones who usually cause the ulcers. Pressure goes right over top of them onto somebody else. And if you're the pastor of the church, it's usually me. Amen? You also have those happy-go-lucky people. They love 
can't ever seem to bother them because nothing touches them. They're like disconnected from society and disconnected with what's going on around them and nothing phases or nothing touches them. They're almost unreal. Have you met that person? What about the third one here? I call them the melancholy sort. Some of us are like that this morning. They're the perfection. And the problems and pressures of life, well, you know them. The problems and pressures of things not being right or perfect, they just get a little tough on us. Those people are wired just a little tighter than your average Joe. And tension becomes a major problem for them. So, we can see tension and pressure is the problem. Now, here's some other uh, effectors, if you will, on our pressure. What about affluence? What is affluence, you might say? Affluence is your drive to succeed. Your drive to succeed. Desire to acquire, if you will. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 12 tells us that the rich man in abundance loses his sleep. Now, I'm paraphrasing there, but I often wonder about that. When you look at some of those rich guys, they're up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. They're going to bed at 12 or 1 o'clock. And you think to yourself, why? They're rich. They should be living at ease. Well, the Bible tells you that they end up losing sleep. Why do they lose sleep over it? Because their riches don't permit them to sleep. They begin wondering and worrying, who's going to take it? Who's going to steal it? How do I hold on to it? How do I keep from losing it? How do I pass it on to somebody I trust and I love? And the pressure Somewhere down the line, they think that the abundance of wealth that they acquire, the abundance of riches, brings security and provides assurance. But instead, it brings more and more anxiety. Well, let's take a look at a few things right here. Let's look at a few other people right here. Here's one that I love to see on the news today. Today's news, I call it hypermedia. Hypermedia. Have you noticed nowadays the media can't just tell you what happened? They have to tell you what happened, why it happened, why they think you should vote this way, and this is somebody's fault for when it happened. We call it media hype. Of course they hype it, and we should all come to realize that. You know why they hype it? Because we wouldn't watch it nowadays if they said at 10 o'clock on Friday night there was really nothing new, so we're just going to put on some cartoons. They're going to hype it. They exaggerate it a little bit. Here's another one that brings tension to us. What about experiences in life? You know, we were not all born learning how to worry. That's something they taught us. You were not born a worrier. You learn how to worry. The way you learn how to worry is through the experiences of life. You know, what if? What about my life? What about my job? What about my family? What if? What if? What if? What if? We learn by experience. Now, you may have understood that just being a parent can make you worry. Can I get amen? <laughs> Irma Bombeck wrote, The parent is to worry. Now, boy, I thought that was the greatest quote in the world. But you know what else she wrote? She also wrote, don't lend your car to anyone to whom you've given birth to. <laughs> the older we get, 
the pressure mounts up more. They mount up and begin to boil at the top, and you can hear that little whisper going off. Kind of like Chinese water torture. It's beginning to just drip, drip, drip right down to the bottom. So, my goodness, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and he says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication. We need to understand that the pressures of life are really just a distraction from what we should be doing. Here's another reason. Are you ready for this one? The pace of life. The pace of life. Think about the RPM of how fast life is. When Betsy and I first left Hopkins and went to Brownwood, we got a culture shock. The culture shock wasn't how people were. It was how slow everything was. People drove 10 miles under the speed limit there. People stopped and held open the door. People said, please, thank you, and may I. And it slowed everything down. And it was a culture shock to us. We stayed there six and a half, almost seven years. When we came back here, we got into another culture shock. We thought, this is the rudest town I've ever been in. Culture shock. It was the pace of life. Just the RPMs were enough to get us thinking about the pressure. In fact, have you looked at people with their cell phones nowadays? They can't turn them off. I've even heard a few of them in my months here as pastor go off in church service. My goodness, we can't turn it off during worship. We're afraid we'll miss something. I mean, turn that thing off right now. Why would that come between us and worship when the Bible tells us be anxious about nothing? We're so afraid of missing something that we're afraid to turn it off during worship. You know the average age, church, of an American male to begin heart issues, heart trouble? The very first little skip of a beat, the very first tremor, the very first murmur is 43. That's the average age of the beginning of heart troubles of American men. Why? Because of the pressure that we're under. By the way, it's not necessarily what we're eating. It's what's eating us. We're being eaten up. Have you seen the tombstones inside the graveyard that say, hurried, worried, and now buried? Amen? All right. So then, we've got some reasons that we're under pressure. It's our temperament. It's our, uh, our temperament. It's our ways of thinking about life. It's our experiences. It's our pain. All those things can cause but ultimately, ultimately, it's a spiritual problem. Because we think of worrying as something insignificant. We think of it as something that's respectable. You ever heard of what we call a respectable sin? Well, people think, well, everybody does it, so it's understandable. My temperament isn't a problem. My affluence isn't a problem. My drive. Really, it's sin. We can see, though, that it's ultimately that spiritual problem because we think of worry as a weakness. Jesus didn't say it's a weakness. 
when he was speaking about the subject of worry and anxiety, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Whatsoever the Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's Romans 14, 23. We think of it as some sort of respectable sin. The sin of worry. What would happen this morning if I came up to the pulpit and I said, How many of you stole from the bank this morning? Not a one of you would raise your hand. And it would be inappropriate for me to ask you that. It would be more inappropriate for you to actually answer it. Believe me. But, what if I came this morning and said, How many of us were worried? Many of us would say, Yeah, I was worried. It's not that big of a deal. We all did. We all did. But to us, it was respectable. To us, it was acceptable. To us, it was something that was no big deal. How many hands would go up if we asked that? We wouldn't mind that much, would we? We wouldn't mind explaining it either. We get worried. Sometimes we get worried if we're not worried. You ever met somebody like that? He said, something's got to be wrong somewhere. Well, church, it's not a weakness. It's a lack of trust. It's faith in God that we have. And when we begin to be worried and we begin to be questioned and anxious, we begin to worry about our faith in God. It's like a rubber band. You begin to stretch, and it stretches and it stretches until finally It's like revving your engine in neutral constantly. Just to find out you're going nowhere. Do not be confused now with concern. What we're talking about this morning is worry. It is anxiety. It is pressure. It is fear. What we're talking about is not genuine concern. Now, there's a difference between genuine concern and worried about something. What's the difference? You might say genuine concern is the concern that drives you to action. It's something out of love that drives you to action. What's worry? Worry is, I don't want to have to think about it anymore, so I'll make sure it never happens. Even though I talk to God about it, I'm the one who's got to get involved. You know, we come to church that way sometimes. All dressed up and nowhere to go. We even want, uh, we even worry about getting older sometimes, especially on our birthdays. You know, when we're 40, 50, 60, and God forbid when we start turning 70, we want to look younger. You ever heard Paul Harvey give that story about that man who got older, he got false teeth, and he started looking in the mirror and he said, Whoa, I look old. So he went to the dentist and had braces put on his false teeth. Look younger. <laughs> Have you heard about Paul? Later on, I heard he had so much bridge work that when his wife kissed him, she had to pull a pole, you know? We want to look younger, and we let it stress us. Oh, my goodness. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Don't be anxious for nothing, he says. Now, how do we do that? We can understand that our first point is temperament. Our first point is pressure. Our first point is understanding that life is anxious, isn't it? It's going to make you anxious about all kinds of things. But the deal is, the Christian deal is, how do you deal with it? What do you do about it? And once you've got it and you recognize it, 
How are we supposed to act, behave, and overcome it? Though I gave you this wonderful message this morning that said, oh, we all have stress. We laughed a little bit. I don't know about you, but when you laugh, you just feel bad. Amen. I believe that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Here's the deal. Here's what you need to understand. If we do have anxiety, we do have pressure. So how do we deal with it? Well, we look to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul sitting in that jail cell, in that dungeon, if you will, chained to the walls with water about his ankles, rats and firelight, writes a letter that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. In other words, he writes down in verse 6, Don't be anxious for anything. How do we do that? How do we overcome that? This is the first Christian principle we need to put to work in our life. What does Paul say? He says, be anxious for nothing. We're in verse 6. But in everything, be in prayer and supplication. We need to start understanding there's power in prayer and there's power in praise. Can I get an amen this morning? When we start praying, we find ourselves start laying aside those things that constantly distract us in our life. We start putting aside things that cause pressure. We start putting aside things that cause problems. We stop worrying about things that are of no concern to us. There's a power in prayer. The Apostle Paul writes out to the church in Philippi, and he says, don't be anxious about anything. Be in prayer about everything. Are you sitting there in the pew this morning saying, Pastor Joshua, I'm worried about what somebody said. You know what? Start praying about it. Quit worrying about it. When you go to God, things get done. Somebody say amen this morning. When you go to Jesus, you're going to find yourself changing the way you feel. You know, when we go in prayer, we often think because we want God to change the way someone else feels. When you go in prayer, God's going to change the way you feel. There's power in prayer, and there's power in praise. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. I say rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Don't be anxious for anything. Power of prayer and power of praise. Look at me in verse 6, and let's read that together again. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You've got a choice this morning. You can begin to worry, or you can begin to pray. You can begin to worry, or you can begin to pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray. This is Luke 18, verse 1. He said men ought always to pray and not to faint. That is Luke 18, verse 1. What does that mean to you? Ought always to pray and not to faint. You're either praying or you're fainting. You're either praying or you're falling out. Fainting it or falling out. Where are you this morning? The Apostle Paul chose to stay in prayer that morning. And he began to express to God his concerns. The way to express our concerns to God is through Prayer is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. It's to begin to praise Him. It's to begin to understand that He's with you and He'll never leave you nor forsake you and that He has a plan for you and that God is working together in all things for good for those that believe in Him, no matter how bad it might be. The way to express to God our concerns is not to fix the worry, but to pray about everything. Paul says, pray about everything. 
It's an active verb if you think about it. It's pray about everything. Don't ever stop praying about anything. To pray with thanksgiving, he says, in your heart. It says to pray and give thanks. Do you understand why we need to do that? Because the devil lies. The devil lies to us in all things. He brings up your past. He brings up what's going on in your heart. He brings up a lie someone told. The devil lies. But in prayer, we no longer look at ourselves. We no longer look at our circumstances. We no longer look at our situation. But we have our eyes open. We have our minds changed. And we begin to see our circumstances in God's life. Our perspectives change. Because our eyes are no longer fixed on us. On ourselves. On our problems. On our circumstances. But, as the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look him full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Somebody help me out here. In the light of his glory and grace. Prayer and praise. How do you start dealing with pressure? Start praying about everything. And not just praying, but praising. I don't think we teach that enough in our church today. You cannot praise God enough. Can I get an amen this morning? You can never run out of adjectives. You can never run out of good words to say about how good our God is. We think we've got it put down in a nutshell nowadays when we got WWJD. Wrong. What would Jesus do? Let me tell you what Jesus would do. He would pray about everything. He would give praise to God all the time in everything. That's what was coming out of His mouth. God is good. And we need to have our perspective changed because our eyes are no longer fixed on us, fixed on our problems, fixed on our cares, our concerns, our circumstances. No, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. And we will find the things of this world growing strangely dim. If you put prayer and praise together, you're going to find out you're going to do what the Apostle Paul did. Look again in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If you will add those two things together, you're going to find yourself rejoicing. That's a little church math this morning. Praise plus prayer equals rejoice. You need to get that math problem going in your heart. Josh, I'm missing the joy. It's time for you to start praying. Joshua, I'm missing the joy of my life. It's time for you to start praising. Josh, I don't know what God's doing. Then pray about everything and be anxious about nothing. And give God thanks, for He is good. Oh my goodness, the Apostle Peter said, You need to cast your cares upon Him because He cares for us. That's First Peter 5, verse 7. Let him take your worries, in other words. Have you heard that story about that man sitting in the barber's shop? He's been sitting there. He's got the cape all over him. The barber's cutting his hair. And the barber begins to remark. He says, hey, mister, every time you come in here, you're constantly nervous. He was known throughout the town as a nervous Nelly. He would come in and they'd say, there he is, worrying about something else. But not this day. This day he sat down in that chair, confident for the first time in his life. And you know, your barber begins to know things about you. They cut your hair. That's a pretty intimate moment, isn't it? Do you trust somebody messing around on the back of your head? Especially when you can't see what they cut? Let me tell you, I used to get my hair cut in the prison. 
Can I come home with some doobies? Yep. <laughs> I had my clothes tailored once in the prison, too. And when, just a personal experience, just so you can laugh, they once sold up my back pocket all the way up the leg, so I was walking like this. <laughs> they thought that was the funniest thing in the world, had that sergeant like that. Anyways, we... <laughs> You need to hear about this man who came in the barbershop. He sat down. He was known throughout the town as somebody who was constantly nervous. And, you know, he sat down. The barber began to cut his hair. And he remarked and said, what's going on? Today, you're not so nervous. And they said, well, we've got a new man in town. We've got a new person here. And he has opened a brand new business. And his business is to worry for you. You pay him a fee and he takes all your worries. And the barber says, that's unbelievable. That's remarkable. How much does something like that cost? He said, $200 a day. The barber took a step back and said, you can't afford that. He said, well, let him worry about it. Church, we've got a promise from Jesus Christ. Let him worry about it. Amen? Think about that for a second. He said, I will take your troubles. I will take your cares. I will take your concerns. And I will give you I will give you my peace. We've got someone who told us to cast all of our cares and worries upon him. Let me take your worries. This is John 14, verse 27. He said, I give to you my peace. Not like the world gives. I give you my peace. Let me take your heart brokenness. Let me take your heartbreak. Let me take what's hurting you. He gives a member out on the lake, out on the Sea of Galilee. When the storm was rising up, Jesus woke up in the boat and he said, Peace, be still. Let him speak peace in your heart right now. Peace when we pray. Peace when we praise. You need some peace in your heart? You need some peace in your life? It's time for you to start praying and it's time for you to start praising. He fills the body. Listen to me now. He quiets the soul. He relaxes the spirit. And the problem of pressure disappears. It's the power of prayer and praise. You know what else we need in our life if we're going to deal with stress? We need to understand the principle of perspective. Don't you love it when I get all those P's and D's and things like that together? I only do that because I passed through a Baptist church. Amen. Principle of perspective. Look with me in verse 8. Finally, brethren, says the Apostle Paul, which is, as you know, a meaningless preacher statement. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's the principle of perspective. You need the Apostle Paul trick. You need to start filling your mind with things that are good, things that are praiseworthy, things that are noble, are just, are holy, are lovely, things that are good report. You know what he's really saying? He's really saying start filling your mind, start filling your soul, start filling your spirit with the Word of God. That's the only thing that's good out there. You try to fill your soul with something else, guess what's going to happen? That's what's going to come out of you. 
You can't get peace from this world. Amen? You can't get peace from a pill bottle. You can't get peace from anything else. But you need to get peace from Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us as he sits there in that jail cell, meditate on these things. In other words, it's time for you to change your perspective. What are you looking at? What are you filling your soul with? What are you filling your heart with? You know, Jesus said it like this. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That is what you put in your heart is going to eventually come out of your mouth. What you're putting down in your soul, you're going to regurgitate sooner or later. It's going to come out of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. If you're putting the Word of God inside of you, guess what's going to come out of you? God's Word. It's a principle of perspective. In other words, you need to stop focusing on other things and start meditating on things that are praiseworthy. That's how you deal with stress, with pressure and stress. That's how you deal with anxiety. I like stress retreat. That's how you deal with worry. Some of us are being shaped by it. We let pressure and worry shape us into a, a, a form we barely recognize. We learn to discipline our minds because we're not given just that. We need to learn to discipline our minds because we're not given a spirit of fear, but a, a Spirit of a sound mind, of love, of faith. That's Second Timothy one verse seven. We're given that. God has not given us that spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind. The Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty three verse seven. So a man thinks, so he is in his heart. What you think about is what you become. A lot of times the world catches on some of those biblical truths. And they teach it, and it begins to be eventually perverted and distorted. And we change it into, you are what you eat. But the truth is, is you are what you think you are. You know, my pastor told me that years ago when I was dating Betsy. He gave me that verse. He said, you are what you think you are. And I think, I'm going to become Betsy tomorrow. That's all I'm thinking about. But you are what you think you are. But you might say, Pastor, I'm running out of time. Spent so much time worrying, so much time under pressure, so much time setting their face. What am I going to do? Can I redeem that time? You know what? You can redeem that time. There is a way to make it right with God. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I have come to give you peace. You feel like that time has been lost? You feel like you need to make up for lost time? do that. You know, Paul wrote another letter. Actually, he wrote a bunch of letters. Fourteen of them. One of the famous ones he wrote is the book to the church at Colossae. We call it the book of Colossae. If you'll look with me in chapter 4 and verse 5, the book of Colossae tells us this walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Now, I'm an evangelist and I love to preach evangelistic sermons. So I often use this as a make-up-for-lost-time and start bringing the gospel to everybody who needs it. Redeem that time. Walk in wisdom for those who are outside. That's not a reference to people that's inside the church. That's a reference to you learning to walk in wisdom to people who are outside. And you know, we think that we can deal with lost people the same way we deal with Christians. You can't. 
Anybody believe it? You can't? Though you will find Christians who act like lost people sometimes. Will I give it to you? Don't let that bother you. Don't let that stress get to you. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Amen? The Bible tells us walk in wisdom. How do you walk in wisdom for those who are outside of the church? For those who aren't part of the body? How do you redeem their time? Well, number one, don't waste one minute on trying to bring something to them that's not usable for a lost person. It's kind of like going to a lost person saying, you know, if you have faith, God will heal you. Wrong. What you need to do is get saved. After you get saved, you can worry about other things. But right now, you need to get saved. Your biggest problem is where you're going, not what's happening right now. Redeem that time. Bring the gospel to them. You say, well, Josh, I've lost so much time and worry. How do I redeem that as well? How do you do that? I want you to hear what Jesus says. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 27, He says, I give you I'm the one who brings you peace. Not as the world gives, but I give to you. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Let's talk about peace. Do you need peace in your heart? Have you ignored been constantly arguing back and forth with them as though you could win that war, as though you could teach them something, or that he doesn't understand what you're going through, and you're shaking your fist up at heaven saying, God, you just don't understand me. The truth is, God understands you quite well. The problem is, is you don't understand what God is saying. God is saying, I want to give you peace. I want to make you whole. I want to redeem you. I want to renew your mind. I want to give you a reason and a purpose. I want to give you a fellowship. I want to give you a family. I want to give you a part in this ministry. I want to give you a purpose. He says, I don't want that. That's why you're not at peace. Because you were made. Perhaps say, Pastor, I am saved. How do I redeem that time? You need to come down to Jesus and listen to His truth. Let me speak to you. That time's not lost. That time, however, has been rearranged. That means that our God doesn't work in the parameters of time like we do. But when He does speak, He changes that, given what He's doing right now. You can take Him at His word. And you and believe Him at His Word. And you can have peace if you'll come and say, Lord, it's not you that needs to change. It's me. Would you let Him change this time? It's not lost, but it can be rearranged. You say, well, the time has passed. There was a time I was going to serve Him. There was a time I was going to preach. There was a time I was going to teach. And now that time is gone. It doesn't have to be. It just needs to be rearranged. Perhaps like me, you've been sitting there this morning saying, such of those brutal farmers have stress is there, anxiety is there. And I often don't think of it as fear. I let it build up to a point where I become snappy. Or 
I let it build up to the point where I become hasty. And people bring more and more decisions to me. I just make those decisions on the spot. Or I just say, yep, that's right. And I didn't really listen. That sounds like an average man, doesn't it? I just made that decision. I didn't know. Yep, and it turns out to bite you always. How do you deal with that? Is that time lost? No. That could be time redeemed when you learn from your mistakes. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, if you would, go with me to the very end of our scripture for Philippians 4. We're going to close with this thought. Apostle Paul writes to us. He tells us to meditate. He says in verse 9, The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace to be with you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a sermon all its own. The God of peace to be with you. Look at verse 7. The peace of God with you. And the God of peace with you. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Literally and honestly, to have the peace of God as a believer. Do you know what that means to have the peace of God in your heart, in your life, when this world is falling apart, to have the peace of God? That means that no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what's happening, no matter what we love is falling apart. And I know some of you love the United States. And I know some of you love politics and football and anything else. And we're watching it fall apart. You don't need to be stressed or worried or anxious or overcome. What you need is the peace of God. Look in verse 7 again. The peace of God with you, guarding your heart. When you lose that peace, you better find out why it's gone. Can I say that? When it's gone, you can say, hey, man, what did I do wrong? You can treat that peace like a referee on the football field. And when it blows its whistle, there's been an infraction of the rule. Don't be surprised if you ignore that whistle if the referee doesn't get up and back. Paul says, the peace of God is with you. And finally, look at me in verse 9. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't know about you, but I would rather have the God of peace than be at war with God. Some of us have been at war with God for years. That war is just a simple battle of will. Not my way, but your way. God, it can't be your way, it's going to be my way. You're going to come through and let the God of peace have it in your heart. We're going to have a word of prayer. You say, I need the peace of God. I've ignored the whisper. Can you come back? Yes, you will. What you need to do is come back and say, I do. Because you're willing to come and get it right with God. Perhaps you're there this morning and you say, Josh, I'm not a Christian. How do I become Well, the first thing you do is have to have peace with God. How do you get peace with God? Through His only begotten Son, Jesus. Would you be willing to put Him in your heart and in your life this morning? Would you be willing to make Him your Savior? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm looking for a church to be a part of. There's no better church than Robert's Avenue. Would you be a part of that church? We're going to close in that word of prayer. So trust Jesus. Would you turn your eyes on Jesus this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word and the truth that are in it. 
And I pray, Lord, you reach out and touch us right now. Lord, for your word is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, Lord, it will cut down in our hearts and our lives right now. That if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father God, that needs to get their walk right with you, or anybody, Lord, that needs to surrender to you in any way, any form, any fashion, Lord, do right now be that time. And would you restore that peace in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you come, if you sing, I stand in. Would you come? Come on.
God, we have a little peace this morning. Amen. The peace of God surpasses all knowledge. All right. Well, don't forget tonight at six o'clock business meeting. I know there's a bunch of you were looking forward to Bible study. I know. But we're going to have a wonderful time. It's a good time to be invited to be a part of that. So we're going to be conducting the business of God's house. All right. Don't forget Wednesday night, 630. We'll be looking in depth into the Word of God. So come and be a part of that as well. Uh, and then I'm going to ask one question. Now, Brother Robert led us in a medley of, of uh, then sings my soul, How Great Thou Art. And then he sang into uh, How Great Is Our God. How many of you were singing in your heart? with me, right? So, indeed, you guys are going to bless you in that. Thank you for that. All right. Do we have any last-minute prayer requests, questions, or comments before we go? No? Scott, let's close in that word of prayer. And I hope to see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Betsy, would you close with some prayer today?